Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 228. Selling is a process. And that's why I teach that it's a staircase because somebody's not just going to tumble down your funnel and give you money. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, Gift Biz Gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you for joining me here today. Before we get started, I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, I am really excited for today's show and to have you hear from Nikki, because once you do, you'll never think about selling the same way again. Okay, (laughs) who's cringing when I said selling? I can see you all the way over here tensing up a little bit and maybe even thinking about skipping this episode. Well, please don't. You can't ignore selling and think that it's just going to go away. And let's face it, if you're in business, you've got to be making money, and the only way you can do that is for people to buy your product. But what if there were a way to follow a process that doesn't include jamming your product into a potential customer's face, or inventing a need when there really isn't one, or feeling uninvited, even when someone agreed to meet with you to talk about your business. Listen, I come from the days of quote-unquote sleazy selling. I remember the times when business was won or lost based on the size of your entertainment budget and under-the-table deals. Ask me sometime when we're face-to-face, and I can tell you stories that will make you cringe. That's why I'm so happy that we're in an environment today where selling can take on a whole new form, one of compassion, permission, and serving in an honest and friendly way. Want to learn how? Today, it is my pleasure to welcome back Nikki Rausch. As CEO of Sales Maven, an organization dedicated to authentic selling, Nikki has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. Today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. Nikki has just launched her third book, The Selling Staircase, Mastering the Art of Relationship Selling, which is available in print, ebook, and as an audiobook, 
and is the main reason I asked Nikki to come back again because she is going to bring the goods right now. Nikki, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me back, Sue. I'm very, very excited to be here. And I was thrilled that you accepted my invitation because I approached you about this after reading your book. So awesome. <laughs> Thank you for reading the book. I really appreciate that. Well, I get a lot of value. It reinforced and introduced me to some new things too. And I know we're going to dive into some of those because I'm going to be asking you about them. <laughs> I can't wait. But before we do, I still want to reintroduce you to people who haven't listened to you on the first episode that you did with me. So I want you to share a little bit of who you are by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to tell us a color and a quote that would be on the candle that speaks you, what would your candle look like? Okay, so if you look at the cover of my book, it's set up with three colors. So when I think of the candle, it's going to be layered. It also fits with my idea of that there's a selling staircase and so things step up. So I see my candle as three colors. So it's like a yellow, a light orange, and then a darker orange. And the quote that would go with this, I want to say this is a Buddha quote. So I'm not totally sure if I'm going to get this right, but it's, if one knows but does not do, one does not truly know. Because I'm really trying to bring in my life and what I'm trying to bring forward in the people that I serve is allowing for them to know and do things that are going to make a difference in their life. That really makes sense because I think people, you can learn something, right? So you can know what you're supposed to do, but if you never mm -hmm. put it into action, you maybe really never know it and you certainly don't know the results that that action could obtain. Exactly. I like that. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, and we did talk about this a little bit before I pressed record, selling can be so stressful and scary to people, but the presentation of the cover of your book is so peaceful and so calm. And the approach that you present in the book, I think, can be the overlay that we all need, especially those of us who are nervous and anxious about selling. So it just kind of like all comes together. Well, thank you for saying that. My goal is to take the scary out of sales and teach people a process that allows for you to show up and be your authentic self. And it takes the pressure off of you because you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to say. And it allows for real conversation to happen. And when real conversation happens, real connection happens. And when real connection happens, people feel drawn to you and will want to work with you. They'll want to buy your products and they'll want to be in your community. So you make it sound so easy and logical. And that's the whole approach. And I know that the manner that you take, but have you felt like that? Has this been your approach to sales the whole time? No. <laughs> I started out as a dialing for dollar sales person in my career. And it felt incredibly like it wasn't telemarketing, but there was a component that felt like that. And I was selling high-end technology equipment into the corporate and education space. And I thought I was supposed to sell like everybody else, right? Because they teach you that, right? They teach you a system. Yeah, but it's more about like, here's a script. They gave us scripts. I have gotten to this place now with my clients where I give them possible language suggestions. I don't even call my stuff scripts because I always want to give flexibility that allows for their own voice to shine through. 
But having to follow a script where people aren't robots and when you're in a conversation, they often don't say what they tell you this person is going to say. You say this and then they're going to say that and then you say this. It just doesn't happen that way. And one of my biggest opportunities in my career, I moved up to the manufacturer level and I got to work for a company that I really had set my goals on and aspired to be a part of, which was Hitachi America. And at Hitachi, I went into a position where there was already a really strong salesperson who got promoted. And so I took over his territory. He's like the ultimate dude, this guy. He was a great salesperson, but he was very guy-ish, right? Like he was always about drinking and he was like fun and he was kind of the life of the party and really kind of outspoken. And that was not my personality. And so I had to find my own way. It was actually a really good thing. I was so nervous about going into this territory because his clients had come to expect him and his personality and that didn't fit me. And so I really had to find my own way. And what I found was I could be me and be effective at sales. And my thing like the thing that really worked for me was I started focusing on building strong relationships with these people. Even before I was trying to sell them anything or close any deals or I just started focusing on, I really care about the people I'm in conversation with. I am legitimately interested in their wants and their needs and their desires. And from the relationships, all of a sudden sales got so much easier and it allowed for me to let my own personality shine through, which I tend to fall a little bit on the introverted side. I can be quite shy in large situations, like large group situations. And so it was like finding my own way. And that's when it was really once I reached at that level of sales, because these were like multi-million dollar deals I was closing. And these were working with some of the biggest companies in the world, some of the largest education buyers in the world and in the United States, I should say. And being able to find my way and even excel past what he had been able to do in the territory all came down to, I've got to make it about the relationship because it takes the pressure off of not trying to pretend to be something I'm not. Yeah. And I think it's a breath of fresh air too, because it used to be, I was in sales back then, maybe even a little bit back further than you, Nikki, because I'm older than you, let's just say it. <laughs> but I think you know, it was that more sleazy, I don't mean to say it that way, but there's a reason why that word is attached to selling, right? Yeah. And that was what you were taught and what you were supposed to do. So that guy you were talking about that doesn't fit was probably doing what he was taught and maybe came naturally to him. I don't know. But with you, when you entered, now you're talking about relationships, and I know the whole groundwork that you lay everything on is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And how refreshing is that for you? Because you can just be yourself and still see success. Mm -hmm. And I also think that like, if someone would try to mimic you doing what you do, in terms of the exact wording, the exact mannerisms, they're not going to see success because it doesn't come natural to them. That's right. The point is, and what we're going to get into later is, there is a process so that you can feel comfortable with sales, but you still have to be yourself. And the underlying theme with all of it is the relationship. Is that right? Does that make sense? Yes. Totally. And there are people out there who are aggressive and who can be a little pushy, but at the same time, they're also very charming. And that's because they are being themselves. But then on the flip side, there's people who are pushy and aggressive and it's off-putting. It's gross. That's because they're not being themselves, right? Oh, yeah. When you're trying to sell like somebody else, when you're not being your authentic 
personality and letting your own way shine through, people might not realize, oh, you're not being authentic. They just know something's off and they don't like it and it doesn't feel right. And it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable to be around this person. Or my experience, and I've worked with hundreds, maybe thousands now, sales reps, it's because they're not being their authentic self. They're not letting their personality shine through. Because I have worked with so many sales reps, I told a story recently where I talked about there are like five people who I've worked with in my career that I consider the best of the best when it comes to sales. They are so good at what they do. But if you set them around a table together and ask them to like enjoy themselves at dinner, they wouldn't really want to be at the table with the other four people. (laughs) They're not their people because their personalities are so different. Now, they do have some structure of the things that they do that work really well. But as far as their personality style goes, very different personalities. Now, it's not that they couldn't be at the table because, of course, they've got that ability to be flexible in their behavior. But they're not people like none of them. And some of them even work for the same company. They don't hang out. (laughs) They're not like buddies. Well, I think that's good news for all of us because there's success if you are just your authentic self. Who you are, what comes naturally to you. Yes, there's a method and a process that you can use, but you still, in the end, have to be yourself. It comes off as so fake. And let's face it, you may be buying and spending money on behalf of your company, at which point you're responsible for results of whatever you're buying. Or it might be your own money because you're in your own business. Either way, if you're working with someone who feels off because they're not being who they really are, there's no trust that the money you're spending is going to be the result that you're getting because there's no trust in, I'm going to say, the relationship. I don't know if that's what mm-hmm. I would have said before because it just doesn't feel right. Yes. All right. So I would love, Nikki, to talk a little bit about networking. And let me tell you why. I'm a big proponent and a lot of people who have listened to the show for a while know that I feel one of the best ways that people can start growing a business, especially as a maker or creator, is right in their own market, getting in front of people, be it at a networking event, a local community event, I don't know, even a school event where you're starting to talk with other parents, whatever it is. But a lot of people are really shy about talking about what they do, especially as makers, because we're putting ourselves out through our product. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to chat about interactions and how you work through networking events. And I know it all starts with being able to introduce yourself in that first impression. And because I've read your book, I know you have some specific ideas about this. I do. So will you help us out here? Absolutely. So networking is such a crucial part of building your business. So everything that you're saying to your audience, I support you. I 100% agree with you. And I'm so glad that you are talking about this with your community because this is how you start to open doors. And so one of the things in the introduction, this actually is a missed opportunity. So I'm going to share it. I'm always surprised when I'm meeting people for the first time, how often they forget to give you their name. So it's like you meet somebody and you go, hi, I'm Nikki. And they're like, hi, Nikki, nice to meet you. You didn't give me your name. So now I have to ask for it, which sends the signal to me, oh, you missed a social cue. And because you missed a social cue, maybe you're not at a certain level of professionalism. And when you want to be seen as a professional, even when you're just talking to other parents at your kid's school, you want to raise your credibility in the room, right? Like you want to be the person that people want to be in conversation with or feel good about the conversation. 
And so when you make the other person have to take a bunch of steps to be like, oh, and what was your name? And then sometimes that person that you don't give your name to, they feel shy about even asking you for your name. So make sure that you are saying your name. And even if somebody says like, oh, Sue, I want you to meet my friend Brian. I don't want you to just say hi. I want you to say, hi, Brian, I'm Sue. Because he might not have heard it the first time. Like make it so easy for people to even know what your name is. Like that's one of the first most important steps in making a powerful first impression. Okay, so I love that because now that you say that, the very next event I'm going to, which happens to be in like three days, I'm going to watch for it. And that repeating does sound a little redundant, but it also helps you remember their name when you actually say the name. Yes. Yeah. So embarrassing when you're introduced to somebody and this happens to me. I'm so guilty. I'm so bad with names. I have to really focus. But like 10 minutes after I've met somebody, I may not remember their name, but re-saying it does help. Yes. I actually teach a process called the name game. And it's something I learned in my studies of neuro-linguistic programming. And so it is about saying the name and then hearing it in your own voice, like hearing their name back in your own ears helps like cement in your memory. And then there's another little thing you do with micro impressions, which it has to do with you actually write the name somewhere on you. So for me, I always write it on my middle finger with my thumb, like with my thumbnail, I write somebody's name. So not like with a pen on your palm, but just like... I just do it. Sometimes people will write it with their finger on the side of their leg or something like that. So it has to do with the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. It helps you remember their name. But the other thing is you want to help people remember your name. Like you say, some people are not great with names and 10 minutes in, they've kind of forgotten. So make it really easy. And it's also okay to say to somebody, you know, like, I'm so sorry to ask again, would you help me remember your name? Sometimes instead of saying like, I forgot your name, say like, would you help me remember your name? And sometimes they'll even give you some type of a little thing like maybe they've made up sometimes people will say it's Sharon like share something and then with an N on the end it's Sharon right they give you like a little thing to paint a picture in your mind about like oh okay so when I think of her I think of sharing and there's an N so now it's Sharon it's just some way to help you remember yeah by the way you might want to have that for your own if you have something like sometimes I'll say it's Nikki and it's spelled with two K's just even like a little thing like that can sometimes help people good point And I think if you don't remember, you should probably do that the very next time you see them versus waiting till a couple of times that you've met later, because it's a big snowball, right? It starts to build bigger and bigger. I also liked, and you said in your book, I'm pretty sure it was in your book, I think so, that if you're seeing somebody the next time, like at the next event, go up and reintroduce yourself. When you're shaking your hand, you obviously know you know each other and say, hi, remember me, I'm Nikki or, you know, whatever. Yes. Well, I think we met last time. I'm Nikki. Like help Mm -hmm. them. So anytime you can show people that you want to make it easy for them, it's the same in the selling process. It's like anytime you can show people, I want to make it easy for you to be in conversation with me, they will likely want to be in conversation with you. Right. Perfect. Okay. So Gift Biz listeners, this is your homework for the very next event you go to. Make sure you're saying your name back. And I think also it would be interesting just to observe what other people are doing, to see this in play in real life, what Nikki's talking about in terms of people not doing that, because then it makes you understand and it just reinforces the behavior for you later. Yes. I was just at an event yesterday where I kept having to ask people for their name, even though I was introducing myself like, hi, I'm Nikki. Maybe like, hi. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I have to ask. This must have been a none of us ever give our name event. <laughs> <laughs> 
It felt like it, honestly. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. And so you also talk in your book, and I, I see this happening all the time, so I'd really like to talk about it, is when we're presenting what we do, you talk about don't always present what you're not. Yes. Okay. So this is one of the things that oftentimes we want to differentiate ourselves. And so we'll tell people like, let's say that you do something that sometimes people have, like they already kind of have in their mind what that means, but you want to stand apart. And so one of the biggest mistakes people make with this is they tell you all the things they don't do. So for instance, if I introduced myself and said, I'm a sales coach and trainer. Now, how I'm different is I don't give a bunch of scripts and I don't look at how many calls you're making each day and how many email messages you're sending. I never told you what I did do. I just told you what I didn't do. And every time you say that, and I think I talk about this in the book too, I always say, it's basically like saying to somebody like, I'm going to tell you something, but I'm going to ask you to not get this mental picture in your head. No matter what I say, please do not picture a blue zebra with vibrant blue stripes, like black and blue, like vibrant blue. Do not picture a blue zebra with black stripes, no matter what I say. It's like we all now have a blue zebra in our mind, right? Right. You're so right. So please be sure that when you're talking about who you are and what you do, that you actually say what you do. Do not focus on all of the, I don't do this and I don't do that. I hear this a lot where people are like, I'm a financial planner, but I don't talk about blah, blah, blah. And I don't talk about this. And then you actually never said what you do do. And all you've done is paint a picture for me of what you don't do. And now I don't even know what to talk to you about. Yeah. Plus, I think when you do share what you do, you present yourself as more credible in an authoritative state with whatever your profession is. Yes. So you make something like a handmade thing. Talk about I'm a maker and all of my stuff is handmade. And as a matter of fact, we get our whatever it is, like we grow this in our fields and talk about all those things that make you special and unique. Just make sure that you're saying the do's and not the don'ts. Right. Great advice. Great advice. Okay. So we've learned that we need to make sure to say our name, offer our name up, Mm -hmm. And then also when we're talking about ourselves, talk about what we do, not what we don't do. Yes. Make a better way to differentiate yourself from others who might be in an industry similar to yours. Okay, so Gift Biz listeners, Nikki's book, we've already talked about what it is, The Selling Staircase, offers five steps on how you transition through a sale. And I know if I asked Vicky to, she'd stay here for the next 12 hours and tell us everything, but none of us have that amount of time. <laughs> so she's willingly agreed to go through the different steps and tell us a little bit about each one so we can get a feel for the process. But what I really, really want, and I never ask you guys to absolutely specifically buy a book, I suggest it, but this one I'm saying you guys have to get. I'm just saying it. <laughs> I feel that strongly about it. Thank you. So seriously, I think it's something for all of us. And I've been selling for years and I continue to learn from you, Nikki. So I have no qualms about telling people to do that. All right, but let's talk then about the staircase. How did you get this concept? Have you already just been teaching it and now you're putting it down into print or what's happened there? I have been teaching it for a few years. It's really because oftentimes when people show up to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, they may have been through sales training in the past or they may have been trying to grow their sales. 
And they're struggling because a lot of times we hear about the sales funnel, fill your sales funnel, your funnel is such an important part of your business. And coming from the background that I come from corporate, absolutely, your sales funnel is really important. However, it's really about garnering leads, right? Like that's what your sales funnel is. It's a lot of marketing activities. And we've got to do that to grow our business. We want good stuff in the funnel. We don't want the funnel all filled with muck. No, (laughs) please qualify those, get those good leads, get the ideal clients. Actually, I'm a big fan of let's repel the people who are not right in the beginning. Let's make room for the people who are ideal clients by getting rid of, I call those time suckers. And I don't mean the people, I just mean the efforts and the energies that you put in, Mm -hmm. but get rid of those things and those leads that are never going to turn into ideal clients for you. So you've got to fill your funnel, but then people get the lead and they're like, well, now they're just supposed to buy. No, (laughs) now you have to actually start selling and selling is a process. And that's why I teach that it's a staircase because somebody's not just going to funnel, like tumble down your funnel and give you money. Oftentimes they're going to tumble down the funnel and then be like waiting for you to walk them through the process. And so I started teaching and breaking it down into these five crucial steps in a sales conversation so that the people that I work with and the people that read the book will understand what step am I on and how do I move somebody to the next step? Because clients often will not move themselves. And most people think, well, they're in my funnel, therefore now I should just go in for the close. And you can't actually skip steps in the sales process. I would say your clients can skip steps. Your client can walk right up to you and be like, hey, Sue, I want to buy from you. Here's my credit card. Great. Take the money. I'm totally fine with that. But you cannot walk up to somebody and say, I would like your credit card and I'd like to sell you something. People will be like, hey, crazy lady, I've never met you. I don't know who you are. No. Well, we get that all the time. Like how many times do you connect with someone from LinkedIn and all of a sudden you've got an email about, here's the link to my stuff, right? Yes. Or an email or whatever it is. It happens all, and it feels terrible. It feels terrible. As a matter of fact, I posted this in my community. I have a membership community and I posted this message that I got over the weekend from Instagram. Somebody sent me a private message and it says, hi, my name's Ken. Would you like to buy my Instagram course? No, seriously? And I was like, wait, what? You missed all the steps in the selling process. So I do want to get into the steps, but it's the like, you cannot show up and walk up to somebody you've never met before and be like, would you like to buy from me? Because the answer is no every time. Yeah. Okay. So tell me if this is right. I'm envisioning a funnel as a selective process to get people in who are potentially the right person for whatever it is you offer. Mm -hmm. You get them in the funnel and you were just saying, so they go down your funnel. So now you've kind of qualified them as somebody who has potential, but now they're at the bottom of the staircase. So they're going to take step and step and step and step and step. And at the top of the staircase is a glowing light, which is the sale. Yes. That's where you're going to exchange money for product or service, depending on what your offer is. Okay. All right. So we've got some people now at the base of the stairs. Mm Mm-hmm. So the first step is the introduction. Now, they may have been introduced to you because they're somehow in your funnel, but it could also be that you're at a networking event and they're just meeting you for the first time. So there are things to do in that introduction piece to set yourself up for a really strong first impression. Now, if they're in your funnel, you might think, well, they already know who I am and they know what I do. And that's not always the case. So sometimes in the introduction is even people who have known you for 10 years 
you may still have to introduce them to the fact that you have a product or service that they may be interested in. So this is about setting that positive first impression and doing it in a way that isn't like, hey, I'm Ken, do you want to buy from me? It's like, no, (laughs) it's the idea of being professional, saying your name, talking about what you do and who you are. So it's totally just the introduction. It's totally the introduction. You say in your book that everything matters because an impression is so hard to change once it's established, but from the way you look and every point matters. Yes. Everything matters. Yes. I learned that in my NLP studies. There was a great story. My NLP teacher used to always tell us, and the baseline or the like the end result of this story is that everything counts. It all counts. And so what you're doing and how you're coming across and how you're showing up in a room and how your table is set up at an event, if you're doing a trade show or whatever, like all of that stuff, it all counts. So none of it is throwaway. None of it is like, eh, who cares if they see that things are a little bit of a mess or who cares if I'm disheveled and I look like I just ran across the parking lot and I've got sweat pouring off my face and here I'm presenting myself. It's like, no, everything counts. So take some time, straighten things, wipe the sweat off your brow, like be prepared so that when you walk in that meeting or you walk into that room that you're on. Like you really are on for me as a, because I speak a lot. When I, as soon as I get out of my car and sometimes driving to the event, because sometimes people are also driving to the event at the same time, as soon as I leave my house, I'm on. Because what if somebody is driving next to me and I'm not considerate, I don't let them in. And then they get to the venue and they're like, that speaker's a real jerk. Like she didn't let me in when the lanes merged. So I really think about like it all counts and I'm setting myself up for success from the time I leave my house. I've been in that situation where someone that I thought was so nice isn't outside. Now, my example is that we had a meeting, we met and chatted and all of that, but then I'm observing them on a phone, like bashing an assistant. Yes. And then it's like, okay, then what I think I saw and the impression I had isn't accurate anymore. Right. And now it's like the trust is gone. I don't know if I can trust that my first impression of this person was accurate. So now they've got an uphill battle to try to earn back any trust that was lost. So in the introduction, again, just be presenting yourself the way you want people to see you and make sure you're carrying it through. Whether you're in the restroom or whether you're talking on the phone, if people can hear you or see you, it still counts. Same with your email, the way you show up on social media, like all of these things, they count. Mm. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. Now you know how to make a great first impression, and we'll talk about what happens next right after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. So once we've made a strong first impression through the introduction, the next step in the process is the step, actually, it's one of my favorite steps. It's the curiosity step. This is where you begin to create curiosity about who you are, what your product is, so that people are interested and open to hearing more or open to the idea of what is possible for them when they purchase your product or your service. So this isn't a brain dump of everything you offer. No. To create curiosity, one of the things I talk about is that you want to use the way you answer questions to drop a little 
curiosity creating statements. And I call these here kitty kitty statements. And when you read the book, you'll get that in there. But the idea is how do you answer some basic questions like how are you or what do you do? You want to answer them in a way that opens the door for somebody to ask you a follow-up question. So for instance, right now, if somebody were to ask, and Sue, you and I were talking about this before, like we got on the podcast and I was asking you if you were going to be attending an event, you could have just said no, but you actually said something that allowed for me to dig a little bit deeper into your answer, which then allowed for me to have a little bit more information about your business. So you didn't say no, you said, oh, I'm not able to because I'm actually attending this other event where I'm speaking. Well, then I got to go like, oh, what's that event? Or what are you speaking about? Or now I get to, as a potential consumer, ask you more questions about your business. And that's what will happen when the listeners start dropping these curiosity creating statements. So this, like you said, this is not an opportunity to word vomit all over somebody. This is not like to tell people all the things you're doing for the next six months or to outline every single product that you've ever made. This is just an opportunity to say something that allows them to ask you a follow-up question. And then is it also a place where you can gauge whether they're really interested or not? Yes, because they will either ask you a follow-up question, which is sometimes is what I call a buying signal. So for instance, if you sell a product and if I say, oh, how are you? And you go, oh, I'm great. We just were able to launch our newest scent and we're really excited about it. And I say, well, what's the scent? And you go, oh, well, it's this really delicious melon flavor. I'm just making this up because that's what I would want. And I would be like, oh, can I smell it? And as soon as I say, can I smell it? If that's a product that you have available and I get to smell it and I'm like, oh, that's delicious. That's a buying signal right there. So once there's a buying signal, which happens in that curiosity creating step, now we've moved to the next step in the process because I'm going to issue the invitation to say, oh, is it something you're interested in learning a little bit more about this product? Or you could even say like, is this something you'd be interested in taking home with you today? Right? Like that's how you issue that invitation. That's how you move somebody to the next step. Okay. So this all makes sense. And I guess it's practice to learn how to put this into play. Yeah. Going back to your candle, really, because I could see now I get the idea, but I'm thinking to myself on the fly, I understand that I should do this, but how do I come up with it all the time? And I guess it's practice. Well, here's one little tip of how you come up with it is you come up with your answer for the week and you say it to everybody who asks you, how are you? Because then you are going to get to practice. Now, if you're saying it and you say it, let's say you say it to three to five people and they all go, that's nice. It's not creating curiosity, so you need to change your answer. Does it have to relate to your product or your business, or can it just relate to something in your life just to deepen the connection of the relationship? It can be anything you want to talk about. My suggestion is that you try to keep it, when possible, focused on business or product or service. Because that's how we're identifying with people, is this a potential client or is this just somebody nice to have a conversation with? What doesn't mean that they won't be a potential client down the road, but I'm always checking to see, like, is this a potential client? I think I might have shared this in the book. I think I might have shared the story that I do these curiosity creating statements. At this point, it's habit for me. Like, I just, if you say, Nikki, how are you? You're never going to hear me say fine. 
I'm always going to have a like, oh, I'm great. This just happened. Or, oh, I'm great. This is about to happen. And it's usually business related because I love to talk about my business. And I love to work with ideal clients. And so one time I was getting my teeth cleaned and my hygienist said, Nikki, how are you? And I didn't just say good. I could have if I didn't want to like have any further conversation. But I said, oh, I'm great. I just launched my newsletter. This was a few years ago. And she was like, oh, what's your newsletter about? Now, she might just be having conversation with me. And I go, oh, I put together a sales tip. It goes out every week. And she was like, that's so interesting. What kind of sales tips? And so I think I'd shared like a sales tip. And then she was like, she actually had her hands in my mouth. And she's like, how do I get on your newsletter? (laughs) I'm a big believer in using these statements everywhere you go, because you also never know who is an ideal client. So she wanted to be on my newsletter. Great. She got to be on my newsletter. She's still on there today. Or she may know somebody who wanted to be on your newsletter. Yeah, she may have shared it with somebody and said like, hey, check out this one. I just had somebody recently come to me and I saw an email that she sent. She was like, I love this Nikki Roush. And it was because somebody had shared my newsletter with her. That's so cool. But I also want to point out that you don't continue going on after that either. You just place a little sentence and that's it. And then you wait for a response. Yes. I don't go like, hey, you missed my curiosity creating statement if they don't ask me a question. (laughs) Why not? Because it's about building rapport and the relationship comes first. So we always want to make sure that we take our cues from the other person. If somebody's not interested in talking about what I do or Sales Maven or my newest book, I'm totally fine with just continuing the conversation. Like I love to talk to people and I'm fine with just talking about them and their kids. And I'm also fine talking about the weather or where they're going on vacation. All of that is fine. So you need to get approval to go up the steps. You do. If someone doesn't latch on to your curiosity statement, then you're just staying at step two. You're just chatting. That's it. Yes. Okay. Now, I'll probably drop another curiosity creating statement at some point if I think there is some potential. Now, if I'm standing there talking to somebody and they're not picking any of my curiosity creating statements up, they're not asking any questions about my business but I kind of suspect that they could be a client, I might ask at some point like, hey, is it okay to ask? Would you ever be interested in talking more about what I do at Sales Maven? I'm going to ask that question because if they're like, no, great, now I know and I'm moving on in the conversation or maybe I'm just moving on and going to talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with that person, but if they're not an ideal client and I'm considering this a networking event or this is like they're never going to give me their business, great. And if they change their mind and come back later, I'll be happy to hear from them, but I'm not going to chase people that don't want to buy from me. Ken, my example from earlier, he's never going to get my business and it doesn't matter how much he chases me. The answer is always going to be no because he did a terrible job in starting. He went right from step zero to step five of like, do you want to buy from me? And I was like, no, and you don't get to skip steps. Right. And I think a lot of people would be fearful of doing what you just were explaining, Nikki, because they're afraid they're going to get the no. And if there's one thing that I've learned is a no is second best to a yes, because then you know, you know where to stand and you can move on versus pretending like maybe they're going to be interested. Yes. Like do not spend time and energy trying to convince people to buy from you. I really do believe that in our society nowadays, we are savvy and we're skeptical. And we also know that there's a lot of choices on how to get our wants and needs and desires met. So if somebody is not 
interested. It's not your job to try to convince them. And as a matter of fact, you see this all over social media, right? We unfollow and we unfriend people who have differing points of view than us nowadays. We don't even like, well, I don't even want to tolerate that. If you think you're going to convince somebody who's not interested to buy from you, you are wasting your time, energy, and breath. And then you might be missing an opportunity with the very next person who could be so ready. Yes, because you wasted all this time and energy on somebody and now you feel disheartened or now you feel like, man, I've been chasing that person for six months and they finally told me like, go kick rocks, leave me alone, never contact me again. It's like, no, you should have known that sooner. (laughs) Right. You should have walked away from that a lot sooner because it should never get to the point where somebody's telling you like, buzz off. Right. Well, and I think that goes to the fact that sometimes we feel like there's such a finite group of prospects that are available. If we're in a networking meeting, it's only these people I need a sale this week. It's got to be here somewhere versus, okay, maybe none of these people really are in a position. Where else are you going to go to find people and put yourself in a position where there is a whole group of them who are? Yes, there's plenty of business to go around. And if you're not finding business now, if you feel like nobody's interested in my product or my service, my guess is, and this is what I know to be true because I work with these clients all the time, it's because they don't know how to create curiosity about their product. It isn't that nobody wants to buy from them. It's that they don't know how to create curiosity. And because they don't know how to create curiosity, they never really even get a chance. They never get an opportunity to talk about their product or service. I agree with you there. And I also now know and understand why curiosity is one of your favorite steps. Yes, I love it. Yeah, because you really just get to it, but in a very subtle way. Yes, it doesn't have to be aggressive, doesn't have to be a pushy. Again, it allows for your personality to come through. It allows for you to test the waters to see, am I talking to somebody who's potentially interested or are we just having a nice conversation? And knowing where you are in the process and where you are in a conversation is really quite satisfying to you. And also it is confidence building. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so they were interested and they asked another question. Then what happens? Do we get to move on to step three or do we stay at step two for a while? We move. No, we move. We definitely start to move. So we move. And now step three is the discovery process. The discovery process could be, and all of these steps, by the way, can happen in one conversation. And sometimes they take multiple conversations. So one of the situations that you brought up, Sue, before we jumped on the podcast was we talked about going after corporate clients, for instance. Is it okay if I give the example around like if you were going after a corporate client and how to use discovery? Yes. I actually want to make a comment and point that out here because this is a big topic in my Makers MBA program because I have a lot of people, Nikki, and I'm just kind of staging this for everybody that the next step for them to really grow their business is to get corporate accounts. And for some reason, people feel like it's such a barrier or they want to go in and just think because they don't know any better that automatically that first bigger, larger appointment is a presentation of everything that they do. And that's where you come in to direct us with these steps and what we should be doing. So people who are in Makers MBA, this is what I was talking about because I already told them I was going to be talking to you, Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) But I just wanted to make that point so they catch it right here. And Gift Biz listeners, all of you, this is golden. So Nikki, share it with us. 
So especially in your corporate accounts, if you go in, set up this big dog and pony show and just demonstrate your product and you haven't done any discovery, oftentimes what happens is you talk them out of hiring you because you focus on the things that are not important to that person. And believe me, you think you're selling to corporate. You are selling to people right? Like the person in the room. Now they may not be the decision maker, but you still have to get to that point where you understand what's important to them. What kind of information do they need? So the discovery process is an opportunity for you to understand what's their want, what's their need, what's their struggle, like what's the problem. And it's also an opportunity for you to ask questions that lead people to want to go to the next step with you, which step four is proposal. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But in the discovery, if you're missing this, if you're going right from creating curiosity to going in and doing a big dog and pony show and laying out all of your product and never asking any questions, then oftentimes they'll make assumptions about what the product means or how they will or will not use it. And they'll make a decision really quickly. So be sure that you're doing a great discovery and understanding. Now, that can happen in a conversation, like a phone conversation before you get in the room with them, or it may need to happen in the first few minutes when you're in the room with them. Not to say that you can't have your product there to show, but if you lead right with product right away and you don't take any time to ask questions, oftentimes you will miss the things you need to talk about in order to earn their business. Can I jump in here and also tell you something that is a total turnoff that I see happen? Yes, please. Okay. Is people will come in and assume they know more about the client's industry than the person who's actually in that job. Yes. Right? So they'll want to tell them all about the banking industry, for example, but that's not their industry. So they are limiting the credibility of the person that they're talking to and really insulting them by telling them about their job. And they're probably wrong. Well, even if you're not wrong, even if there's a part of what you're saying is true, anytime, think about this in your own life. Do you want people to tell you all the things they know about you that are true? It feels so (laughs) off-putting, right? It's like if somebody shows up and they're like, Sue, this is what you think. This is how you do what you do. And And you'd be like, excuse me, I'm a whole person and you don't know how I think. So what it does is it triggers people's polarity responses when you do that. And they draw a line in the sand and they want to take the opposite of anything you say. So they'll want to correct you and they'll feel dismissed by you. And also, again, one of the biggest mistakes that salespeople often make is we show up and we act as if we can read people's minds. And nobody wants to feel like you are telling them what they think and what they do. Mm, That's good. So this, again, is why you want to start with some questions. Be curious. (laughs) Show up with this curious nature of finding out what is most important to you and ask great questions. One of my favorite questions to ask in a discovery process is what's important to you in regards to and then insert your context. So for me, if I was going to go in and talk to a corporate account that needed some sales training, I would say, so what's important to you regarding the sales training that you provide to your team? And what do you most want to get out of it? Yeah. Because the answer to that question is going to allow for me at some point, if I get permission to move to the proposal, I'm going to use that information in my proposal to demonstrate how I can meet that need, what's important to them. 
would you also re-qualify it? Like, let's say you got to the discovery stair in a networking meeting because it just happened that way. The conversation went that way. Now someone's coming in to a meeting potentially. Would it make sense then to confirm that that's still the most important thing? Yeah. Like when we met last, this is what you'd said was most important to you. Is it still that way? Because two days prior, something totally could have changed. Yeah. And so how I might even phrase that to them is, last we spoke, you had mentioned this, this, and this. I just want to check in and see, has anything changed or is there anything about that you'd like to revise? You're so good with scripting. Thank you. Even though I know we're not supposed to use scripting, but the way you phrase things is just so perfect. Well, sometimes it's nice to have something to start with, right? Because as one of your listeners might go like, oh, I'd never say it the way Nikki said it. That's okay. Take what I said and tweak it to where it feels comfortable coming out of your mouth. And I do that for clients all day long. Like when I'm working with my clients privately, a lot of times they'll go, "Mm, Nikki, I don't think I could say that. I'm like, great. How about this? How about this? How about this? I'll just keep working until I get something that they're like, yeah, I could totally say that. That still has that same feel to it that still is going to land to the other person in that way. What we're always trying to do is make sure that our statements land in a way that leaves the person wanting to stay engaged with us. Got it. Okay. I'm with you. We've done intro, curiosity, discovery. Yes. So now once we've gone through the discovery, one of the things I like to do in a discovery process is I might say to the person, based on the information that you've shared so far, I do see a few possible ways that we could work together. Now, are you interested in talking about that? Or I might say, would you be interested in me putting together a proposal for you? So you ask a question. I'm going to ask permission before I launch right into the sale. Because if I go from discovery, and this happens, I just had this with a client where she was sharing with me a discovery call that she had. But every time she would ask a question, she would ask one question, the client would answer and she'd start selling. And then she'd ask another question, the client would answer and she'd sell some more. And that's a misstep in the selling process. You've got to ask the questions, get an idea of what do you need to know in order to propose something to them. And then you propose You don't muddy the waters by doing this like back and forth, back and forth, because then you do come across salesy. And oftentimes you're not asking all the information that you need in order to make a thorough and proper proposal to them. Like you're not recommending the right product because you're taking one answer to one question and selling based on that. Well, and I'm thinking then that you also probably have multiple products that you could select from that would be the right solution. So you're really asking a bunch of questions to truly determine what it is you should be proposing. Yes, you have to narrow it down. I always say you can never give somebody more than three options, even if you have, I don't care if you have 100 SKUs of product, you cannot present more than three options to a client unless they have specifically given you permission to do that. You'll overwhelm them. You'll cause them to go into this place of indecision, which is not good for you in the selling process. So go through the discovery Check to be sure that you have permission to put together a proposal or to actually propose product. And then once they've said yes to that, now we're in the proposal phase. So for those of you who are going into corporate accounts, a lot of times you will need to go back to your office and put together a proposal. So one of the steps you want to make sure that you do not miss is you get permission at the end of that meeting to put together a proposal. Before you leave that meeting, you say to them, I'll have that proposal to you by 
and you give like a date if it takes a day or a week or whatever it takes for you to put it together. And then you say, now let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call so we can review the proposal together, answer any additional questions that you have, and then talk about next steps of us working together. Do not leave the meeting without trying to schedule, at least attempting to schedule that next time to review the proposal. Because if you miss it, you may give a proposal to them and they'll never even look at it. Or it'll postpone the decision like sometimes months, sometimes years, because you never get moved back on their to-do list. You never get high enough on their to-do list for them to actually make a decision. So by giving that date and having it scheduled on their calendar to review the proposal, this actually gives them a really easy time frame of when they need to review it. Right. And I'm thinking then also if they don't review it, if they haven't had the time, they can still pull it up and you can go through the key elements that you know are the most important points. Exactly. Yes. I know it's going to happen from time to time, but does this help eliminate the issue where you're trying to get back in touch with them and then you just get pushed off and you never get to talk to them? Yeah, they start ghosting you. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of that is it's not necessarily because they're not interested. It could just be because they're busy. And most of us nowadays, we live and breathe our calendars. Like my whole world revolves around my calendar. And if you're not on my calendar, if you just call me out of the blue and say like, hey, Nikki, how are you? Do you have five minutes to talk to me? I'm never even going to pick that phone up because I don't have just five minutes in my day randomly to answer the phone. So the reason you want to be on their calendar is because now that's scheduled time for them to think about this, ask questions, make some decisions. And you're actually making it super easy for them by being on their calendar because when the calendar invite comes up for them and they're like, oh, I'm talking to Sue today, they're ready. Right. And I think one of the things you also talk about is when you're scheduling a time, you don't just leave it open-ended. No. You offer some specific times because it's way easier for them to respond. Yes. I love the idea of giving people windows of time. And I always suggest giving three windows. And what I mean by that is saying, and so this is like if I'm trying to schedule a time in an email, I might say, in case you like this idea, here are a few possible times for us to jump on a quick call. And I'll say Monday, anytime between 11 and 2. And then I give windows of time and I do it three times. And the reason for that is because, again, like you said, it makes it really easy for them to look at their calendar and go, oh, I actually do have time at 1245 that I could get on a call with you. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so then you review the proposal. Yes. You answer any questions, all of that. Am I seeing that shining light on the top yet of the last step? Or is there anything else we need to talk about in the proposal? Yeah, once you've reviewed the proposal, now the idea is you do go in for the close. So you've reviewed the proposal, you've answered their questions and said, great. So now that we've reviewed this, based on this, are you ready to move forward? That's the invitation to go in for the close. So it's direct. That's direct, Nikki. Yes. Okay. Yes. As Once you're in that proposal, like close, and the fifth step, by the way, just to call it out, is the close. So once you're in that proposal and moving into the close step, you have to take the lead. This is your job to move the people to the next step, which means you have to get the language out of your mouth. 
You cannot say like, okay, well, we've reviewed the proposal. Okay, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, Call no. if you're interested. No, no, no. It has to be like, okay, so we've reviewed the proposal. I get a sense that the best option for you is option one. Should we go ahead and schedule that now? Or should we go ahead and get that, whatever that next step is? Sometimes it's issuing a purchase order if you're selling product. Find out what that next step is and get that scheduled. So sometimes it's like, are you ready to move forward? And they say yes. And you go, great. How would you like to pay for that? So you always get to the next step. I do. Yeah. If you miss that, if you're like, well, let me know. Because <laughs> they might say, well, well, now that we've reviewed the proposal, we need to think about it. Oh, you know they do. People do that all the time. Yeah. So guess what I'm going to say? <laughs> I know. Let me guess. Can I guess? Yes, please. You're going to say, wonderful. How long do you think that will take? And they'll say, oh, probably the week. Okay, let's pull out our calendars and set a follow-up date. That's right. I'm going to schedule another circle back call. Okay. Yeah, for sure. See, I'm learning from you. You're doing so. That was great. So yes, I go, great. How long do you think you'd need to think about it? Let's go ahead and schedule another call. So at that point, we'll make a decision. We're either working together or we're not. Sometimes I say that as direct as that because I've got a pre-frame for them. The idea is that you're going to make a decision. Now, if they're like, well, we probably are not going to make a decision. I need to know that too and then make some decisions about what I'm going to do. Sometimes I'm going to say, okay, well, I would love to earn your business when you're ready. Please know that you're welcome to reach out to me at any point. I will be happy to hear from you. And then I go, okay, like in a really nice way, it's like, here's the ball, you own it. When you're ready to buy from me, give Mm -hmm. me a call. I'm not going to chase you. But sometimes they'll say, you know, Nikki, we really, at this point, we don't have this in our budget. We won't really know until in November when we start to budget again, whether or not this will make it into next year's budget. If you're again, talking to corporate. So in those particular cases, I'd be like, great, can we set up a call for November so we can review and make sure you have updated information? Would that be good? Let's get that on our calendar now. I can schedule my calendar out two years in advance. Well, what I like about all of this also is it also positions you as someone who means business. You're Mm -hmm. doing what you're saying you're doing and you're getting results. Even if the result is, okay, you've gotten the answer, not for now, maybe it can be reviewed to go in the budget as you were just showing with this last example, but you're moving it forward one way or another. You've taken control of it all. Mm -hmm. And I go back to the part that if it's just wishy-washy, like maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, and you're leaving with the hope that might be false that this is still a prospect, that doesn't serve you. No, I often sometimes when I first start working with clients privately, they'll say like, oh, I have this list of deals that are out there that are going to close. And then I want to review that list with them. And I'm like, okay, so here's this first deal. Let's say this is a $50,000 deal. What do you have? And it can be a $5 deal. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. Okay, so when's your next conversation with them? Oh, well, they said to follow up in September. Well, that's not on the list of potential deals then. Because follow up with me in September and not having a call scheduled, we don't count that as money coming in the door. That's You're not even that far in the process. But if you say to me, we have a call on Thursday where they're going to give me their credit card, okay, you can count that on your list. But it's really, really important that you have realistic expectations and acting like all this business is going to come in can be quite detrimental to your mental state when you realize you never really got this to the proposal phase and you never went in for the close. Therefore, you cannot count this as potential business. We can hope it's going to be business. But if you're not following the steps and you're not moving your client through the process, these are hopes. These are not 90% closed. 
Right. But I would also say that knowing the steps makes it so much easier to actually do them. I think a lot of people are exactly where you're saying several of the people who started working with you are, because they just didn't know that that was the next step that they should be taking. Yeah. And that's okay. It's like, what's the other saying? Maya Angelou, I think, is when we know better, we do better. And if you want to grow revenue in your business, you have got to know these steps. You need to understand the sales process because you will do sales so much better. Absolutely. And you'll also do sales so much better when you read Nikki's book. (laughs) So I'm looking at the time now and I think I could continue on and on and on. Like I told you, it could be 12 hours, but (laughs) we're going to have to start closing down now. But you want to know more. You want to hear more of Nikki's tips. They are all in the selling staircase. And of course, that's going to be linked over on my show notes page. Nikki, anything just to encapsulate everything that we've just talked about? The most important thing is that you start inviting people to do business with you. You start putting yourself out there and going ahead and asking to move people through the process and you will find that clients are going to start to show up as a result. Beautiful. And if people want to go somewhere and learn more about you, where would you suggest that they head? Well, first, I'd love to give them something to start with. So I always like to give a little bonus. Is it okay if I give my ebook for them? Absolutely. Okay, so this will be a free gift. This is a download and it's going to help with that close process and some of that close language that we dug into at the end here of the interview. So if you go to yoursalesmaven.com slash ebook, you will be able to download my Closing the Sale, The Secrets of Successful, but it's called Closing the Sale. Now I can't think of the subtitle, but it's going to help you. And you'll be able to, that will put you onto my website. You'll be able to see more information about me. You can contact me. I'd love to hear from you if you have a question or a comment about the interview. And of course, you can find the the Selling Staircase, Mastering the Art of Relationship Selling. You can find that pretty much where all books are sold at this point on Amazon, on iTunes, Nook. It's available in all different forms. What's your favorite version of your book? The written, the Kindle, or the audio? Well, I'm an ebook reader, so I love the ebook. There's a lot of opportunity in the ebook because there's places that suggest for you to take notes and write out like your answers to certain challenges and questions that are in there. So I ended up for the ebook readers because that's what I am. I actually created a workbook that you can also download. So the information is in the book when you buy it on how to download the workbook that you can print out as a PDF that will accompany your ebook. So you'll have all of that, the worksheet stuff that goes in the physical book. I'm so glad you mentioned that because your book is like a workbook. It is. It's reading like a book, but then when you get to a point, you say, okay, now you, in your situation, what are you thinking? And it really helps move you along and relate it back to you. So that was brilliant to put that in your book. I love it that way. Thank you. And then with audio, I guess you just have to kind of work through those yourself. In the audio, you'll hear, because I actually read the audio book, so it is my voice. (laughs) Do you go off script sometimes? I do a little. I try to stay. The context of the book is all on the audio. But yes, I do have a few places where I add some little bit of commentary. But I do say in the book, okay, get your workbook out and get ready. So you do want to be able to like have even a notebook, even if you just have a notebook to go through some of these things, you can listen and hear it. But sometimes with anything, it's back to my favorite quote at the beginning here. If one knows, but does not do, one does not truly know. So it is about doing. I mean, it's almost kind of like a class. 
really. Yeah. It's a book, but it's a class. You'll hear me tout always, implementers get results. So the more you're willing to implement, the more you're going to see these results. And I often hear from people who come up, who've heard me speak, who go through some of my webinars or in my community, they're like, I can't believe the kind of results I'm getting. And it's like, because you implement, implementers get results. These things work. There you go. All right, Gift Biz listeners, it's time to implement. And right now, the next step is get the book. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again, but I <laughs> obviously mean it. So Nikki, thank you so much. This has been so valuable. I already know a couple of people who are going to take some of these tips and already use them because you can. I mean, we've all learned something that we can implement right now. Thank next you. Next time we meet somebody, we remember to say their name. That one's an easy one. Like there's a bunch of them in here. I encourage all of you to re-listen to the show in addition to getting the book because it's golden, Nikki. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That was a great episode with such valuable information. And now it's your turn to get out and start climbing the selling staircase. It'll be a game changer for your bottom line. But even more importantly, selling can actually become rewarding because you're helping your customer receive something that they truly want or need, your product. Circle back with me and let me know how it goes. Okay, and now a teaser for next week. And I'm smiling because I'm bringing you on a little trip to the land of Kudula. Can't decide if my favorite critter is Kiwi or Moxie, even though it should probably be Sprinkle. I could live with these adorable creatures every day. And next Monday, you'll meet the creators of this land and learn all about this unique life. Only one week until we're off to Kudula. I'll see you then. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those of you who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.